Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Eurowatch. Money FM 89.3. It is the evening runway. We're going to take a look at some news headlines coming out from the European region. German politics has had quite the start to the year. Farmer protests rattling the government. There's a budget crisis. Far right riding high in the polls. New populist party that's uh, pretty much uh, splintered the political landscape. And now a walkout by train drivers in Germany. So the rail travel system there is in a bit of a standstill. I believe that that strike is set to happen all the way till tomorrow. That plus a lot of other issues on the line with me right now is Jeremy Nestervik, Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Elliot. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. So it looks like uh, there are a couple of problems happening in Germany. Transport chaos. The rail workers are striking. The farmers are protesting. Is there one particular catalyst for all of this? So it's quite unusual for Germany because it used to be a very stable country. But I think that the catalyst for this is uh, a budget mess that they have in uh, Germany. Since we have uh, such a loss in this, and who is protesting, especially concerning the uh, railway workers and Mm. the farmers, and they don't find in the budget enough money for them. So this is why they're protesting. Yeah, I understand they're asking for a little bit more pay out there. Uh, Apparently, the national railway company, Deutsche Bahn, tried to prevent the walkout, but there was a court ruling against uh, issuing an injunction. What's the backstory here, Professor? Your opinion, is this the, or was this the right move? So we used to believe that the German railway system was one of the most reliable in the world. Yeah. But it is not anymore. <laughs> so it started to fall apart even years before. And now the um, workers are asking for a reduction in uh, their uh, time work. And obviously the Deutsche Bahn doesn't want to give them. So they have to give, a, they propose them some alternatives, but it was not enough. So I don't expect that it is going to end soon since Mm. we don't have enough money in the budget. What's it looking like as far as the blame game goes? You mentioned at the start, and a lot of people would agree that Germany's economy, probably one of the most stable in recent times. Now the economy seems to be struggling a bit. Can we pinpoint as to what are the challenges or or is, you know, has there already been finger pointing in that sense? Uh, For me, the biggest challenge uh, that we have in Germany is the coalition which is uh, ruling the country. Mm. And uh, this coalition doesn't have the support of the population. And even the Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, is one of the most unpopular uh, chancellors in history. So it is very difficult for them to navigate when they don't have uh, support uh, within the population. Does he need a new economic approach in that sense? So the new economic approach would be, again, difficult because in the coalition we can have contradicting statements coming from the Green Party. On the other side, we can have uh, SPD party, so they cannot agree on all this. And in between, you have the liberals who were considered to be the guardians of the orthodoxy from the financial point of view, but they don't make the majority. Mm. Professor, we wouldn't blame you if you were mistaken that we were talking about France, especially with the rail strikes. But no, now we are talking about France because they have uh, someone who has become the country's youngest prime minister. I'm talking about a Gabriel Attal, appointed by President Emmanuel Macron earlier in the week. Did you find this a surprise choice? 
I don't think that it is a surprise choice because he enjoyed, even before that, an absolute uh, confidence coming from and trusting from the President Macron. Mm. He is one of the Macron uh, earlier supporters. And he has proven to be quite bold and quite quite advanced in the uh, areas which are very important in uh, France today, which is security, which is uh, a relationship uh, between the state and religion. So there's thorny issues, and Gabriel Attal has shown that he can uh, handle these issues. Mm, stories like these make me sad because he's eight years younger than me. What was I doing at 34? <laughs> he's already prime minister. They're calling him Baby Macron. Would, would, would you agree with that term? Hey, so it is shown like this, but um, I don't think so, because very soon he will reveal his own character. Mm. Of course, he is the youngest one. And by the way, if you put the age of Macron and the age of Atal together, it is still younger than Biden. Ah. uh, (laughs) Perspective there. (laughs) Um, But we have uh, June elections to look forward to. Professor, I guess uh, to close off this topic, what are some of the major tests from now till then that lie ahead for him? I think that this is uh, one of the reasons why he has been appointed because we have a few months ahead before the European elections. And uh, for the moment, the opposition far-right party is uh, still leading by 10 points mm. in polls. So one of the jobs for Gabriel Attal would be to narrow this gap with the leading opposition party. Six months is not a lot of time to sort that out. Slightly sticking with France, uh, the French President Emmanuel Macron, US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, there are some key Middle East leaders all set to attend this week's World Economic Forum. Now, among the agenda, of course, they'll be trying to stop the war in Gaza, trying to stop the Ukraine conflict. Uh, Macron is expected to make a speech about France's role in the future of Europe. Where do you, Professor, analyze France's role in the future of Europe. I believe uh, the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is also going to address the forum. What else are you looking forward to there? Exactly. So we have these two uh, leading persons from Europe. On one side, uh, President Macron and also Ursula von der Leyen coming there. President Macron has not been at the World Economic Forum for years. So it is his first appearance after many years. And I think that he would like to mention that France is still relevant uh, worldwide. Uh, We have seen that in uh, Africa it was uh, no more the case, since France has been uh, forced to pull out of uh, key African countries. So now what is left is on one side uh, Ukraine and Russia and uh, Israel and Hamas on the other side. So I think that he would like to push the, the buttons on this side. If you don't mind, I'd like to digress slightly. I've spoken to some uh, expert commentators on U.S. politics as well as China politics. And generally, there is this feeling that this year might be a year where it's a lot of delaying, a lot of wait and see because of that November U.S. presidential elections. What are your observations as far as Europe's opinion is concerned about this? I mean, we talked about, you know, talks to try and stop the conflict. It feels like everyone, there is a possibility that things might just drag out for the rest of this year. No, no, you are absolutely right, because the American elections are, well, we have many elections this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the near book, we can have elections in Indonesia and mm-hmm. some other places. But obviously, the elections in the United States are the most important ones. Mm-hmm. And since they are the most important ones, everybody awaits for them. However, 
Europe cannot wait. It is in November. Yeah. So what should we do between now and November? Just to wait and see what is happening in the U.S.? No. So they must continue. And we have the European elections. Yes. So these elections for Europe are obviously much more important than the elections in the United States. Because whoever wins, if it is Biden or Trump, maybe we should not expect many, many changes. All right. Professor, let's talk about European Council President Jean-Michel, who will run as a candidate for the European parliamentary election in June, the election that you were talking about. Now, Michel plans to take up his seat in the European Parliament mid-July if he's elected. So this means EU leaders will have to agree quickly on a successor for his vacated council post. If not, you've got Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, whose country will take over the rotating presidency of the Council of the EU in July. That'll, they'll lead the meetings. Now, if he's elected, taking up the seat in July, well before his term is scheduled to end, which would be November. Uh, Professor, would this be a problem for EU leaders? So I believe that the um, European leaders would like to avoid this kind of scenario. Yeah. They don't want President Orban to be there. So they would try to find another solution for that. However, even if Orban is president of the council, mm. it's temporarily, so it will be for six months. So even if he is uh, president of the council, he cannot make decisions on his own because he is looking also for the consent coming from the other countries. So even if he is a de facto leader, it doesn't mean very much. Mm. So he can have some influence, but he cannot have decisive influence on what is happening in the European Union. Right, right. It might send an odd signal about the importance or lack thereof of the European Council President's job. So here's the, my controversial question, Professor. Do we even need an EU Council President? That's the question. We have so many presidents. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. We have so many presidents, so we can have people who can uh, just organize the meeting. So we can have another name for that. So it can be Secretary General. Yeah. So Secretary General has another, another fame and another reflection, yeah. but uh, we don't need maybe someone who is called president for that. All right. Uh, maybe you and I should get together and uh, try and propose a reorg <laughs> within that. Yeah, we can propose that. <laughs> we never know. I've been speaking with Jeremy Anesterovic, who is Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, as always, grateful for your time. Take care and have a great Thursday evening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much and have a nice day. Yeah? To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.